0: Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now for your host, Paul Marquis.
1: Hello everybody. This is Paul Marquis from Ortho Valpal. Thank you for being with us today. Um we're going to be talking about a very common diagnosis here today. We're going to be talking about lateral epicondylitis or as some people want to call it tennis elbow. We're going to talk about how um you know how this presents. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the tests that I like to do to help Tease it out, and uh, we're going to talk about other things that may look like lateral epicondylitis. So you don't want to miss those um, other diagnoses out there. It's a super, um, you know, common problem. And um, what we want to do today is is talk about, you know, how do we evaluate these quickly. How do we manage them um, as well as we can? I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the experiences I've had with some lateral epicondylitis, and um, we all in Northern Maine should have lateral epicondylitis right now. We have about 150 inches of snow. It's the first of March. We're about 45 inches above normal right now, and everybody's been shoveling or running snow blowers that cause a lot of vibration, require a lot of gripping. We have seen a lot of people with lateral epicondylitis lately, so uh, it's definitely a common out there you don't just see it in tennis uh, players and uh, people who play sports so if you want to hold for a little bit we're going to have a word from our sponsor i'll be back we're going to talk about some of the signs and symptoms and how i like to treat it
0: do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time a main doctor and the company he founded mainly technology group have created a high-tech all-terrain chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's easyglidersocks.com.
1: Hello and welcome back, everybody. So lateral epicondylitis, you know, it is not just, uh, you know, pain in the lateral aspect of the elbow. And please don't always think that lateral elbow pain is lateral epicondylitis, okay? We see this all the time. I've seen people get injections to the lateral elbow with no improvement because it's really coming from somewhere else. So we need to uh, make sure that uh, we tease this out really well with some uh, evaluative uh, testing. So don't fall into that trap of, you know, just calling every lateral epicondylitis issue lateral epicondylitis or lateral elbow pain. Um, So let's talk about some of the causes of lateral elbow pain. Um... You can have overuse. This is most common with people who do a lot of repetitive gripping, grasping type activities. Um, and But some people can have something called radial tunnel syndrome. And I'm going to be talking about this, okay? That is a, an entrapment of the radial nerve, and um, it can cause a lot of dorsal and proximal uh, elbow discomfort. And uh, But it is a little bit different, and uh, we'll talk to you about uh, how we differentiate between the two of them. Today, we'll focus primarily on lateral epicondylitis. Um, people with C6 nerve root uh, conditions can have lateral elbow discomfort. Two reasons. Your distribution of C6 can run next to that area along with C7 um, and can occasionally go down to the back of the hand. But what happens with the C6 is that your wrist extensors become really weak, okay? So if you're using your hand, gripping, grasping a lot, your extensors will become irritated and overworked a lot easier than if the muscle is functioning at full capacity, OK, so you can develop lateral epicondylitis because you have a C6 problem because your wrist extensors are weak. OK, um, so that is that is one thing that I've looked at in the past. I always, always do an upper extremity um, reflex testing and cervical spine clearing exam. Um, and I'll probably throw the uh, video in the show notes so that you can take a look at how I like to do that. Um People can also have a tear in that extensor carpi radialis brevis muscle group or the extensor muscle group, you know, and always ask them about some sort of a mechanism. If this is something that just kind of slowly came on over time and it progressively got worse and maybe they, you know, uh they sort out. Wires for uh, orthodontics, you know, or something like that, and they're doing a lot of fine motor coordination type activities. It slowly comes on; not a big deal. You don't really expect a tear of that. Um, but let's say that somebody is out golfing, and uh, it is the elbow pain is on the left side. They swing from right to left, and they catch a divot. Their the wrist uh, goes into a. Super huge eccentric load of the extensor mechanism, um, and they could they could end up with a tear there. Um, don't miss this, okay? If somebody is not getting better conservatively with physical therapy or, or, you know, common conservative techniques, resting and bracing and things like that, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you need to be thinking about um, a tear of that extensor mechanism. So getting an MRI can be very helpful. Um, And I've seen this on several occasions. So be reasonable. You know, people should start to see improvement within three to four weeks with lateral epicondylitis. If you treat it conservatively and you give them some rest, if it's not coming around at all, they're still miserable. I'd be looking at getting an MRI of that lateral elbow just to rule out a tear there. Um, So lateral epicondylitis is usually caused by repetitive motion, not uh, always by playing tennis. Um, Mm -hmm. It happens in tennis because of the gripping uh, that happens. And there's a lot of force that goes through a racket, especially on the backhand um, when you're uh, swinging. And so it eccentrically loads that uh, extensor compartment quite a bit. Um, people who do fine motor gripping and grasping you know i see this with dental hygienists and and i'll talk about this a little bit if you ever take a look just kind of watch somebody work when they're doing like fine motor gripping and grasping and it's very focused and very concentrated and maybe they're gripping really hard on an instrument um i've seen this in in surgeons uh, i've seen this with people who do you know even in the non-dominant hand, they do a lot of stabilizing and gripping of small objects. The other thing you need to remember is what position is the wrist in when people are doing these gripping and grasping activities? And we talked about active and passive insufficiency in the past. So if the, the wrist is significantly flexed when they are working or significantly extended, then that extensor mechanism is working at an inefficient position. Okay. So always take a look at that. Take that into consideration when you're evaluating people. Now, what are some of the signs and symptoms? Um, Oh, and by the way, I'm going to throw a video of that active and passive insufficiency. I've had a lot of people ask about it. I want you to take a look at that. And I've even had people ask me about doing videos of different injuries that are caused by active or passive insufficiency issues. I think once you understand that, it really makes sense as far as proper muscle position with people, okay, when they're doing an activity. So, Signs and symptoms. There's the common Mills test, okay? Um, you take the wrist, you push it into extension, you pronate the arm, and I mean, you put the wrist into flexion, you pronate the arm, and you extend the elbow at the same time, and it will cause pain isolated to the lateral epicondyle region, Okay. Know that because if somebody has a radial tunnel syndrome, they will have pain with that also, but it'll be more in the muscle belly um, on the lateral side of and proximal side of the elbow. So you want to make sure that that discomfort, if they have lateral epicondylitis, is over the epicondyle, very, very tender at that origin. Okay, Um, they'll be tender to palpate in that area. And my favorite test really is there's I don't even think there's even a name for it. Um, But this is classic. I've seen this with experience. You can almost diagnose a tennis elbow lateral epicondylitis by doing this one test, okay? You take the patient, you have them reach out, fully extend the arm, and then you have them grip your hand, okay, while their wrist is in a neutral position with a palm down, and you have them grip. They will classically say that hurts in the lateral epicondyle. region. They'll say, I can't open up a jar of, you know, like a spaghetti sauce jar. I can't pick up a piece of wood before I put it into the stove. Um, anything where they reach out with a fully extended arm, And that pronated hand and a grip that causes significant discomfort at the lateral epicondyle. So that is super common with folks um, who have lateral epicondylitis. All right, so you've ruled out the you know cervical disc issues and uh, radial tunnel is not there. You truly believe this person has lateral epicondylitis. Well, is it? Tendinitis Is it an acute inflammatory condition, which we're going to talk about mostly for treatment? Or is this a tendinopathy? Had they had this for a long time? Okay. Again, what is the difference? If they had tendinopathy... The, it's more often a, a fiber disorganization okay the tissues are disorganized they're not nice and parallel functioning very well they've done tissue biopsies on people with tendinopathy and they don't find any acute inflammatory process okay so you can in- inject these you can do iontophoresis with dexamethasone sodium phosphate and you can put on you know uh, an- anti-inflammatory creams voltaire and those types of things and they may not get a lot of benefit because there's no real active inflammation there their pain is coming from um you know, tissue disorganization, you need to approach that differently. You need to work on realigning those tissues, you need to work on increasing the load to those tendons, starting with an isometric program, then going into eccentrics. Uh, And there are, you know, different protocols out there for that. But we find that these people, you know, do well with that kind of program if they have a tendinopathy. Okay, so they've had it for quite a while. But let's say they have acute inflammation in that area. And it's a true, lateral epicondylitis or tendonitis of the uh, origin. I like to work on decreasing the inflammation in that area. I'm not big on injections in that region. We've um, seen some people develop vitiligo quite easily in that region where you lose the pigmentation of the skin, the muscle tissue will die off. And so I really like to treat these conservatively. I like to do pulsed ultrasound. I like to do, uh, iontophoresis with dexamethasone sorting phosphate, especially if they don't have a lot of, uh, soft tissue in that area. And, uh, it's easy to get to that epicondyle and origin. Um, I always look at their work can their workstation. We do a lot of ergonomic evaluations. And I think that is super, super important. Think about why did they get this in the first place? Okay, so it may be a workstation, but it may be also a sport activity that they're doing. Maybe they're gripping something with a lot of vibration, or maybe the object that they're gripping is very, very tiny. Okay, so look at that. You look at those external stressors out there. Um, because you may want to change like if they write a lot, then you may want to bring them from a small barreled pen to a larger barreled pen. Um, maybe the position of their wrist is too flexed or too extended. Um, and, it, you know, the other thing I like to do when treating these is massage. Uh, I like to do a soft, gentle, uh, you know, massage to the extensor carpi radialis brevis, to that muscle group. People seem to do well with that. Now let's talk a little bit about tennis elbow straps. There's a million of them out there. And you know, you always say, Well, I'll try this, try that. And and people go to the store, they'll go to Walmart and they'll look and on the shelf, there's a bunch of stuff out there. Okay. What I don't like about tennis elbow straps is that the ones that are most comfortable, the ones that have a nice elasticized band to it, um, they do stay in place nicely and they do feel comfortable, but oftentimes don't give you what you need, which is counter pressure. At the extensor mechanism, okay? So when you put a tennis elbow strap on, it should be a strap. It should not be an elastic, okay? It should not be forgiving. So when you put it around the forearm, they should feel, when they squeeze that hand, they should feel pressure going up into the brace so the force is distributed through the brace and not through the epicondyle where it attaches. These can be very helpful. Now, they can't be too tight because they'll stop circulation, um, but they need to be on there strong enough so that when... Somebody... you know, squeezes the hand, they feel some pressure throughout the brace, okay, they're to use that only when they're doing gripping and grasping activities, not if they're just going to be hanging out watching TV, or maybe just eating lunch, Uh, they can take it off, uh, but use it when they're doing a lot of gripping, grasping activities, a lot of wrist flexion, wrist extension, okay, so I'm big on non-elastic tennis elbow straps, and I feel like the pressure should be distributed evenly across the extensor mechanism, not in one sharp spot, okay, Okay, Some of these folks will do well with dry needling if they have a lot of trigger points in the extensor mechanism, so that can be helpful. Um, and this is something we do with almost all of our upper extremity patients it doesn't matter if they have carpal tunnel, cubital tunnel, and I'll probably mention this in every podcast that we have, okay? We put these people on a thoracic kyphosis reduction program. Remember, when your head is forward, your shoulders are rounded forward, you get less blood flow into your arms, okay? You get some vascular thoracic, um, you know, compression that slows the blood flow down to your arm. So if you're repetitively using your hand, developing some microtrauma at your extensor carpi radialis brevis, and that's, You know, breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. How is it going to heal well if it's not getting good blood supply to it? Okay. So I'm an advocate of heat. I'm an advocate of thermal modalities. I'm an advocate of bringing blood flow to that area. So we put people on a thoracic kyphosis reduction program. We stretch the pecs. We strengthen the scapular retractors. Okay. And we try to um, focus on a better posture either with an ergonomic assessment evaluation and with these thoracic kyphosis reduction exercises, which I will, I'll put a video in, uh, in the uh, show notes. You can go to that. It'll show you the exercise that I like to do the most. And a lot of these people can do these activities at home. Okay. So if people uh, are not getting better conservatively, you, you need to start looking at other reasons why they have a uh, lateral elbow pain. And, um, you know, it, it sometimes requires surgery. But you know, conservative treatment is always the number one way to start. People will get you know eighty to eighty-five percent better with uh, soft tissue treatment and conservative management of lateral epicondylitis. Sometimes, um, you know, just nighttime positioning, putting a splint on at the wrist so that they're not fully flexed all night long, can also be helpful. So many many treatments out there for lateral epicondylitis, uh, but like I said. Very easy to identify. Don't mistake in it for something else. And then your treatment regime will be a lot better and a lot easier. Don't be afraid to tell patients they need to modify their activity to help get this to settle down. So if you folks have any questions regarding lateral epicondylitis or any treatment techniques that you find that are like super spectacular for you that you really enjoy doing, uh, by all means, you know, shoot it over to me, go to orthoevalpal.com and go to our get in touch page. Leave me a note, you know, tell me what works best for you or um, talk to me about your frustration with lateral epicondylitis or how they're managed or or let's talk bracing any of those things are perfectly fine Um, please make sure you go over to itunes give us a rating and review that really helps um, with our numbers and how things uh, look Uh, so far we've been getting just absolutely great comments from folks we also have a youtube channel that demonstrates a lot of the special tests that we do and uh, many many patients with actual diagnoses that we have on there so it really pieces it together for you especially new grad students or uh, you know in pt school ot uh, school and uh, and med students uh, and then your mid-level providers you, you folks who you know see a lot of these things but may not have had a lot of exposure in college by all means go check us out on youtube and uh, ask any question you You'd like, I'd be more than happy to try to help you out. So, again, thank you. My name is Paul from Ortho Eval Pal. I hope you enjoyed the show.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.